ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so continuing with our studies in بلوغ المرام the previous section or the last hadith that we were discussing was the hadith of Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma qal qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala wa inni nuhitu an aqra alqur'ana raki'an aw sajida fa amma alruku' fa'azzimu fihi arrab wa amma as-sujud fajtahidu fi ad-du'a faqaminun an yustajaba lakum rawahu muslim that was the last hadith that we covered regarding what a person is not allowed to recite in the ruku' and in the sujood. And that as the hadith mentioned was the recitation of the Qur'an. That it is not correct for a person to recite Qur'an whilst they are in the ruku' and in the sujood. However, it's mentioned that in the ruku' then uh, glorify your Lord or uh, speak uh, regarding the ta'zeem of your Lord, Subhana Rabbi Al-Azeem. And as for the sujood, then strive in making dua. وَأَمَّا السُّجُودِ فَاجْتَهِدُوا فِي الدُّعَى Then strive in making the dua. There was the issue regarding what if you make dua in the prostration, and the dua happens to be an ayah from the Qur'an. You make dua in the prostration, but it happens to be an ayah of the Qur'an. رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَا For example, this ayah or the other ayat from the Qur'an, which are like dua. So can you read those in the sujood or not? This hadith says, إِنِّي نُهِيتُ أَنْ أَقْرَأَ الْقُرْآنَ رَاكِعًا أَوْ سَاجِدًا So is it allowed to recite those ayat as a dua in the sujood or not? That's permissible. The scholars, they said, that is allowed. Because there you are not reciting those ayat for the sake of recitation. You are reciting those ayat for the sake of the dua. You are making dua in reciting those ayat. The prohibition is general recitation. But you're reciting them for the purpose of the dua, the meaning, then it's permissible as the scholars they said. Then moving on from that now, the next hadith. وَعَنْ عَائِشَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا قَالَتْ كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَقُولُ فِي رُكُوعِهِ وَسُجُودِهِ سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمَّ رَبَّنَا وَبِحَمْدِكَ اللَّهُمَّ اغْفِرْ لِي مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ in this hadith, it mentions the hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha, that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to say in the ruku' and in the sujood, when he was in his ruku' and in his sujood, then he would recite this dua, Subhanaka Allahumma Rabbana wa bihamdik, Allahumma aghfir li. This hadith, it has an addition to the previous hadith. 
This hadith has extra on top of the previous hadith. يقول الشيخ الفوزان حفظه الله تعالى هذا الحديث فيه زيادة على الحديث الذي سبقه. This hadith has an addition into it, an addition within it, on top of the previous hadith. وهو أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يقول زيادة على قوله سبحان ربي العظيم. And that is that the Prophet used to say on top of the statement Subhana Rabbi al on top of that the Prophet used to say this dua that's mentioned Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik Allahumma ghfirli. وذلك حينما نزل عليه قوله تعالى and this statement of the Prophet ﷺ, it was as a consequence of when the ayat were revealed, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ وَرَأَيْتَ النَّاسَ يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجًا فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ When those ayat were revealed, Thereafter, it is narrated that the Prophet ﷺ used to recite this addition. This addition, what does it mean? Subhanaka, that as they say in English sometimes, glory be to you. But the meaning of that is, you are proclaiming that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free of all deficiencies. Subhanaka, that Allah is the most high and above all or any type of deficiency or shortcoming. Allahumma Rabbana, this is calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our Lord, wabihamdika, and all praise is to you, Allahumma ghfirli, oh Allah forgive for me. Forgive me. And so the Prophet ﷺ used to recite this, seeking forgiveness from Allah in his ruku' and in his sujood, because the surah, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ Towards the middle of it, it says, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ Then glorify the praise of your Lord, and seek his forgiveness. But when did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send this ayah? When was this surah revealed? And what was the meaning of it? When was the Prophet ﷺ told to praise his Lord and to seek the forgiveness from his Lord? This particular surah, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ that when the aid of Allah comes and the victory, and you see the people entering into Islam in large groups, you see the people entering into Islam in large groups, then glorify and the praise of your Lord, glorify the praise of your Lord, 
speak with that praise of your Lord and seek His forgiveness. But then the question is, when did that occur? What is this referring to when the victory of your Lord comes or the aid of your Lord comes and the victory then you see the people entering into Islam in large groups. When is that referring to? After his death? Prior to his death. So this is talking about the conquering of Makkah. إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ The Fath, Fath Makkah. The conquering of Makkah. And when did that happen? What year? 10 Hijra. 9. Still incorrect. 8. So in the 8th year of Hijra. In the 8th, the 8th year of Hijra, that's when Fath Makkah, the conquering of Makkah occurred. So when the conquering of Makkah occurred, the Muslims, they went back to Makkah in thousands. There was an army of thousands when they returned with the Prophet ﷺ to Makkah. And they conquered Makkah and the Prophet ﷺ destroyed the idols that were in the Kaaba and around the Kaaba. And all of the mushrikeen, they were gathered up near the Kaaba. Gathered up near the Kaaba. And then the Prophet ﷺ said to them, What do you think I will do to you? What do you think I will do to you? Mada or Mata Dununa Anni Fa'ilum Bikum. He said to them now, when the Muslims have conquered Makkah and the Mushrikeen are there now, he said to them, What do you think I'm going to do to you? So then they began to say, Akhun Kareem, etc., that you are a noble brother, a son of a noble, and the brother of a noble one, etc. And then the Prophet said to them, I will say to you, just like Yusuf alayhi salam said to his brothers, لا تثريب عليكم اليوم أنتم الطلقاء. He said that there is no blameworthiness or no uh, affair upon you today. You are free. And he let them go. They were allowed to go. He did not kill them. They were allowed to go. Then after that, once the Muslims had conquered Makkah and the people had seen everywhere now the strength of the Muslims, then the following year, the ninth year of Hijrah, that's known as what? The year of what? What is the name the scholars give to the ninth year of Hijrah? The year after the conquering of Makkah. The scholars, they call that the year of the groups or the delegations. Amul Wafud. The year of the groups and the delegations. Why? Because after the conquering of Makkah in the eighth year of Hijrah, then in the ninth year of Hijrah, it is noted in the seerah that large numbers of people would come to the Prophet ﷺ. They used to come in large groups delegations, groups from this tribe, that tribe, from this area, that area, this land, that land, when they saw the strength of the Muslims and what Islam is, and the conquering of Makkah, then the following year, they came in groups and groups from all over the place, 
coming to the Prophet ﷺ and accepting Islam. So that's what it's, is meant in the ayah. And you see the people entering into Islam in groups, afwaja, in large groups, not just one or two here and there. So that was after the conquering of Mecca, the ninth year of Hijrah, known as the year of those groups and delegations that came. Because they came from everywhere in big groups, and they accepted Islam. So when that occurred, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْهُ Then, praise your Lord, glorify your Lord, uh, do the remembrance of your Lord and the praise of your Lord, and seek His forgiveness. And the scholars, they say, this surah, it was a sign upon the closeness of the death of the Prophet Sallallahu Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah says, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرُ وَكَانَ هَذَا آخِرَ آخِرُ حَيَاتِهِ Sallam. This was at the end of the lifetime of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. حِينَمَا أَمَرَهُ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ بِأَنَّهُ إِذَا نَصَرَ اللَّهُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَفُتِحَتْ مَكَّةَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَمَرَهُ أَنْ يُسَبِّحَ اللَّهَ وَيَسْتَغْفِرَهُ فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْهُ إِنَّهُ كَانَ تَوَّابًا So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the victory to the Muslims and the conquering of Makkah it occurred and then after that, Allah commanded the Prophet ﷺ to praise his Lord and to seek his forgiveness. And that is this ayah. قالت عائشة رضي الله عنها عائشة رضي الله عنها said فكان يقول ذلك يتأول القرآن يعني يفسر القرآن لأن التأويل في عرف السلف الصالح يراد به التفسير وإنما سمي صرف اللفظ عن ظاهره تأويلا في العصور المتأخرة فالتأويل معناه عند المتأخرين صرف اللفظ عن ظاهره إلى معنى آخر لدليل يقترن بذلك فهذا في عرف المتأخرين أما في عرف المتقدمين فالتأويل هو تفسير القرآن فقولها يتأول القرآن يَتَأَوَّلُ الْقُرْآنِ يَعْنِي يُفَسِّرُ الْقُرْآنِ فَاللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ جَعَلَ عَلَامَةً يُعْرَفُ يُعْرَفُ بِهَا النَّبِيَ يَعْرِفُ بِهَا النَّبِيَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قُرْبَ أَجَلِهِ So here then Aisha radiyallahu anha said that the Prophet ﷺ he used to say that then. He used to say that. And in some narrations it mentions that the Prophet ﷺ continuously used to say that then. After that time. Uh, and she mentions يَتَأَوَّلُ الْقُرْآنِ Meaning that he used to give the tafsir of the Qur'an. Ta'wil in the olden days with the salaf and the ones who came prior to us. For them, the word ta'wil, it meant tafsir. As you now say tafsir. But nowadays, most of the time when you see the books of aqeedah, they say ta'wil. نؤمن بصفات الله بلا تأويل 
They say we believe in the attributes of Allah without making ta'wil. This ta'wil, they mean changing and distorting and altering and uh, making a different meaning of the word. Changing the meaning of the word from one thing to something else. To something which is not the apparent meaning of it. That's what you find with the later scholars when they explained aqidah, etc. They used this word ta'wil for that purpose. Whereas originally the word ta'wil, it means tafsir. If you look at the tafsir of At-Tabari, Ibn Jarir, it's called ta'wil ayil quran i.e. tafsir. So the ta'wil, when Aisha radiallahu anha mentioned here, يَتَأَوَّلُ الْقُرْآنِ يَعَنِي يُفَسِّرُ الْقُرْآنِ And this was a sign upon the closeness of the death of the Prophet ﷺ. What was the sign upon the closeness of the death of the Prophet ﷺ? فَتْحُ مَكَّةِ وَحُصُولُ النَّصْرِ لِلْإِسْلَامِ وَمَجِيءُ الْوَفُودِ إِلَى النَّبِيِّ ﷺ وَدُخُولُ النَّاسِ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجًا All of these things, the conquering of Mecca and the victory of Allah coming to Islam and the Muslims, and the coming of all of these groups to the Prophet ﷺ, and all of these large groups accepting Islam, all of these were signs regarding the end of the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. وَحَصَلَ هَذَا بِفَتْحِ مَكَّةِ فِي السَّنَةِ الثَّامِنَ مِنَ الْهِجْرَةِ And this occurred in reality in the eighth year of Hijrah, the conquering of Mecca, أَمَرَهُ اللَّهُ أَنْ يَخْدِمَ حَيَاتَهُ الشَّرِيفَةَ بِالْإِسْتِغْفَارِ فَكَانَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ فِي رُكُوعِهِ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the Prophet ﷺ to conclude his life, the remaining time in his life in seeking forgiveness. And so the Prophet ﷺ used to do that in his ruku'ah. So this statement then, Subhanaka, Allahumma Rabbana. Subhanaka, Allahumma, Arafna ghayra marrah. يقول الشيخ الفوزان, Arafna ghayra marrah, Anna al-tasbih, Ma'anahu al-tanzih. The Shaykh says, We have learned already, On more than one occasion, That the meaning of al-tasbih, Tasbih, subhanallah, this tasbih, it is a tanzih. Tanzih, meaning that you understand that Allah is far removed from any deficiency or shortcoming. You separate and remove any shortcoming or deficiency from Allah. That is the meaning of subhanallah, that Allah is far removed from any deficiency or shortcoming, which is more than what you find in those English uh, translations. Sometimes they just say, glory be to you. Subhanallah, glory be to you. But the meaning of that is that Allah is far removed from any type of deficiency or shortcoming. أُنَزِّهُكَ اللَّهُمَّ بِجَلَالِكَ عَمَّا لَا يَلِيقُ بِكَ That I declare or I uh, purify or I 
declared the distancing and the non-existence of any affair that is a shortcoming or not befitting of the majesty of Allah. So you declare that Allah is far removed from any affair that is not befitting of the majesty of Allah. As for Allahumma asluha ya Allah, حُذِفَتْ يَا أُنِّدَى وَعُوِّضَ عَنْهَا الْمِيمِ فِي آخِرِ الْإِسْمِ فَصَارَ أَلَّهُمَّ أَلَّهُمَّ A phrase which indicates, O oh Allah. And some of the scholars, they say, that this phrase, Allahumma, it encompasses all of the names of Allah. It is as if you are calling upon Allah by all of His names. Allahumma. وَبِحَمْدِكَ اِعْتِرَافٌ مِّنْهُ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ بِفَضْلِ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَأَنَّهُ إِنَّمَا صَبَّحَ اللَّهَ بِتَوْفِيقِهِ فَلَهُ الْحَمْدُ عَلَى ذَلِكِ فَهُوَ يُشْبِهُ قَوْلُهُ لَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ اي سَبَّحْتُكَ بِحَمْدِكَ لَا بِحَوْلِي وَلَا بِقُوَّتِي وَإِنَّمَا هُوَ بِتَوْفِيقِكِ لِذَلِكَ فَلَكَ الْحَمْدَ so then in the section where you say, وَبِحَمْدِكَ and, uh, and the praise belongs to you, all praise is due to you, this is an acknowledgement. When a person, a slave says, all praise is due to you, to Allah, then the slave is acknowledging the great virtue of Allah upon him. That this servant, it is not even of his own power or ability that he is able to praise Allah. Even that is from the virtue and the blessing of Allah upon him that he's been given the ability to praise Allah and to uh, do the remembrance of Allah. So you say, وَبِحَمْدِكَ And all praise is to you for having been given this ability to even be able to praise Allah. And then at the end, اللَّهُمَّ اغْفِرْ لِي أو Allah forgive me دُعَاءٌ بِالْمَغْفِرَةٌ وَالْمَغْفِرَةِ هِيَا سَتْرُ الدُّنُوبِ وَهِيَا مِنَ الْغُفْرِ وَهُوَ السَّتْرِ وَمِنْهُ الْمِغْفَةِ الَّذِي يَسْتُرُ الرَّأْسِ فَغَفْرُ الدُّنُوبِ مَعْنَاهُ سَتْرُهَا وَتَكْفِيرُهَا وَعَدَمُ الْمُؤَاخَضَ عَلَيْهَا هكذا كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول في ركوعه فدل على استحباب هذا الذكر في الركوع وَأَنَّهُ يُؤْتَى بِهِ زِيَادَةً عَلَى التَّسْبِيحِ الْوَاجِبِ سُبْحَانَ رَبِّيَ الْعَظِيمِ So the final part of the dua is, O oh Allah, I seek your forgiveness, or forgive me. And forgiveness, the meaning of it in Arabic is, concealing your sins. To conceal the sins. Because maghfira, this word in Arabic, it comes from ghafr, which means a satr means something, uh, it means concealment. It means concealment. And that's why they call the helmet al-mirfar. The helmet that you would wear in battle or whatever, that can be termed in Arabic as the mirfar, meaning that it protects you and it conceals your head. So, ghafru dhunub the maghfirah upon the sins, it is that they are concealed and they are expiated, they are wiped out. So you are seeking from Allah to conceal your sins and to wipe them out. And not to be held accountable upon them. That is what seeking forgiveness is. To have your sins concealed and expiated and wiped out and not to be held accountable upon them. 
So this is what the Prophet ﷺ used to say in the ruku' Subhanak Allahumma Rabbana wa bihamdik Allahumma ghfirli That was what the Prophet ﷺ used to say as an addition on top of the normal statement Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim Then after that the next narration وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا قام إلى الصلاة يكبر حين يقوم ثم يكبر حين يركع ثم يقول سمع الله لمن حمده حين يرفع سلبه من الركوع ثم يقول وهو قائم ربنا ولك الحمد ثم يكبر حين يرفع ثم يفعل ذلك في الصلاة كلها ويكبر حين يقوم من من اثنتين بعد الجلوس متفق عليه In this hadith now of Abu Huraira رضي الله عنه hadith which is agreed upon by Al-Bukhari and Muslim he says that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he used to stand to pray when he used to stand to pray, then he used to say the takbir, Allahu Akbar, when he would stand to start the prayer. And when he would go down into the ruku', then upon going down into the ruku', he would also say, Allahu Akbar. And then when he was coming out of the ruku', he would say, Sami'allahu liman hamidah, and when he was upright, he's now come out of the ruku' sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he was upright and standing, then he would say, Rabbana walakal hamd. And then he would say the takbir upon rising, and he would do that in the whole of his prayer. And similarly, he would say the takbir in between the two uh, sittings or in between the two after the sitting. So this hadith now, basically, it's going to speak about the times in the prayer where you say the takbir, Allahu Akbar. Where are the times in the prayer where you say the takbir, Allahu Akbar? In essence... The takbir, Allahu Akbar, is two types during the prayer. It is two types. يُبَيِّنُ حَدِيثُ أَبِي هُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ هَذَا أَنَّ تَكْبِيرَاتِ الصَّلَاةِ تَنْقَصِمُ إِلَى قِسْمَيْنِ This hadith of Abu Hurairah رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ It clarifies that the takbirat, when you say Allahu Akbar, those takbirat of the prayer are two types. Al-qismul awwal takbiratul ihram. The first type is the opening takbir of the prayer. Takbiratul ihram. When you begin the prayer. Wahiya, and that is what? What's the ruling on that opening takbir of the prayer when you start the prayer? Ruknun, or wajib, or sunnah. Wajib, Murukan, Rukun, 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 
So that is a rukun. Takbiratul ihram, ruknun min arkani salah. Fala tan'aqidu salah illa biha. The prayer doesn't begin. You can't start the prayer without takbiratul ihram. If you forget takbiratul ihram, you can't do sajdatul sahu. You can't just do the prostration of forgetfulness because you forgot to start with Allahu Akbar. The prayer wasn't started in the first place. So to begin the prayer, you must start with takbiratul ihram. وَكَانَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يُؤَدِّيهَا وَهُوَ قَائِمٌ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ And the Prophet ﷺ used to say the opening takbir once he was standing to pray. He was standing and ready to pray. وَهَذَا مَعْنَا قَوْلِهِ حِينَ يَقُومِ This is what it means when it mentions at the beginning of the hadith, إِذَا قَامَ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ يُكَبِّرُ حِينَ يَقُومِ That the Prophet ﷺ, when he got up to pray, he would say the opening takbir when he was stood up. That he would be standing and ready, then he would say the opening takbir. فَتَكْبِيرَةُ الْإِحْرَامِ فِي الْفَرِيضَةِ لَا بُدَّ أَن تَكُونَ مِنْ قَائِمٍ لِمَنْ يَقْدِرُ عَلَى الْقِيَامِ So the opening takbir must be done when you are standing up for the one who is able to stand. For the one who has the excuse, then that's a different affair. But the one who has the ability to stand, then you must be standing upright when you say that opening takbir. فَلَوْ كَبَّرَةُ فَلَوْ كَبَّرَ تَكْبِيرَةَ الْإِحْرَامِ وَهُوَ جَالِسٌ أَوْ وَهُوَ فِي حَالَةِ النُّهُوضِ إِلَى الْقِيَامِ لَمْ تَنْعَقِدْ صَلَاتُهُ If a person who has the ability to stand, we're not talking about somebody who's injured or any situation like that. A normal situation, a person fit and healthy has the ability to stand. If that person is sitting down, and he makes the takbir, he wants to pray, he wants to pray. So he makes the takbir, Allahu Akbar, and then he gets up and starts praying. But he made his takbir as he was still sitting down. He's facing the Kaaba, he says Allahu Akbar, and then he gets up and stands and starts praying. His takbir was made whilst he was still sitting down. That doesn't count. Oh, he's sitting down and he wants to pray. So he starts to get up. As he gets up, on his way up, he says, Allahu Akbar, as he's still rising. As he is still rising to stand, and this is more typical, that maybe somebody is sitting down, they want to start praying, so they get up. As they are going up, as they are on their way up, they say, Allahu Akbar, and when they get up, they're already holding their hands, they're already into their prayer. So they say the takbir on their way up, that doesn't count. The takbir must be done once you are fully standing. That's what the shaykh mentions here. فَلَوْ كَبَّرَ تَكْبِيرَةَ الْإِحْرَامِ وَهُوَ جَالِسٌ أَوْ وَهُوَ فِي حَالَةِ النُّهُوضِ إِلَى الْقِيَامِ لَمْ تَنْعَقِدْ صَلَاتُهُ لِأَنَّهَا لَا تَصِحُّ إِلَّا مِنْ قَائِمٍ كَامِلَ الْقِيَامِ مَعَ الْقُدْرَةِ Because this opening takbir, it is not acceptable, it is not correct. Except when you are standing up, fully upright, properly standing up, for the one who has the ability to do so. أَمَّا إِذَا كَانَ يُسَلِّ قَاعِدًا لِأَجْلِ الْمَرَضِ فَإِنَّهُ يُكَبِّرُ تَكْبِيرَةَ الْإِحْرَامَ وَهُوَ جَالِسٌ وَهَذَا فِي صَلَاةِ الْفَرْضِ 
As for somebody who is unable to stand, somebody who is unable to stand due to some illness, or due to some medical condition with the legs or some injury, they just can't stand, they are praying sitting down those days. Then in that case, as you are sitting down, you make your takbiratul ihram, your opening takbir, and you pray. That is now a separate situation, it's an exception. But the one who has the ability, you must be upright, standing properly, ready, then make your takbiratul ihram. Not, you think to yourself, okay, I need to pray now. As you're getting up, on your way up, you already raise your hands, you say your takbir, before you're even standing properly, then it's not correct. Must be ready, standing properly, upright, then make the takbiratul ihram. That's in the fard prayer. That ruling is regarding the fard prayers. What about the supererogatory prayers? An-nafila. Amma an-nafila, fala ba's. لا بأس أن يكبر تكبيرة الإحرام وهو جالس لأنه يصح أنه يصلي النافلة وهو جالس مع القدرة على القيام لأن القيام في النافلة مستحب وأجر القاعد على نصف أجر القائم وقد كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في صلاة الليل إذا كسل أو مرض صلى قاعدا As for the supererogatory prayers the nafal prayers then it is permissible to sit down and pray anyway. We mentioned some of those narrations already. For the supererogatory prayers, you could sit and pray, and the reward would be half of if you were standing and praying. And the Prophet ﷺ, it's mentioned, there are narrations of how he prayed, sometimes sitting, the night prayer for example on occasion, sitting and praying, the supererogatory prayer. So it is permissible to pray the supererogatory prayer sitting. Therefore, it is permissible to make the takbiratul ihram sitting. Since the whole prayer is allowed for you to pray sitting down as a supererogatory prayer, but the reward will be half of the one who stands and prays. So in the supererogatory prayer, you could sit and make the takbiratul ihram. Because the supererogatory prayer, it is allowed to pray sitting down anyway. But the reward would be half of the one standing. That is the first category, takbiratul ihram, the opening takbir. Al-qism al-thani, takbiratul intiqal. The second type is the Allahu Akbar, the takbir, that you say in the movements, moving from one position to the next. During the prayer, you move from position to position. From standing to the ruku'ah, from the ruku'ah to the sujood, getting up from the sujood and standing up again, you move from position to position. In those movements, from position to position, there is a takbir. You say, Allahu Akbar, when you go from one position to the next. These are known as the takbiratul intiqal. The takbirat of the movements from one position to the other. The movements from one to the other. And what's the ruling on them? Rukan, wajib, sunnah. Rukan. Sunnah. Wajib. Wajib. Takbiratul intiqal, wahiya wajibah, min wajibati salah, indal imam Ahmed. Law tarakaha muta'amidan, batalat salatu. Amma idha tarakaha nasiyan, fa innahu yujbiruha sujudu sahu. Aw yujbiruha sujudu sahu. So Imam Ahmed, he considers that these takbirat, when you move from position to position, are wajib. Meaning, 
the wajib, the ruling for a wajib action is, if somebody leaves it on purpose, then your prayer is nullified. But if you forgetfully leave it, you forget, then you can do the prostration of forgetfulness at the end, and it covers it. So Imam Ahmad says it's wajib. However, al-jumhur, amma al-jumhur, fayarawna anna takbirat al-intiqal sunnah. The Jumhur of the scholars, they hold the opinion, as Shaykh Al-Fawzan mentions here, that these takbirat of movement are a sunnah part of the prayer, not even a wajib. That is what the Jumhur hold to be the position. And what are these takbirat then? Where are they specifically? The ones that we're talking about now. These takbirat here. تَكْبِيرَةُ الرُّكُوعِ إِذَا هَوَى إِلَى الرُّكُوعِ One of them is, after you are standing, at the beginning of the prayer, you are standing. You recite Al-Fatiha, you recite some other surah, and then when you finish the Fatiha and the surah, you want to go into Ruku'ah, you're going to say, Allahu Akbar. That's one takbir you make then, to go into the Ruku'ah. So the takbir of going from the standing position into the ruku'ah. That's one. Takbiratul ruku'ah, إِذَا هَوَى إِلَى الرُّكُوعِ يَقُولْ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ وَإِذَا رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ مِنَ الرُّكُوعِ يَقُولْ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَهُ أي استجابة لأن السمع لأن السمع إذا عدي باللام فمعناه الإجابة أما إذا عدي بنفسه كقوله تعالى سمع الله كذا فمعناه السمع الحقيقي كقوله تعالى لقد سمع الله قول الذين قالوا وقد سمع الله قول التي تجادلك في زوجها فهذا سماع حقيقي فالله جل وعلا يسمع الأصوات ولو كانت خفية وَلَوْ كُنَّ لَا نَسْمَعُهَا نَحْنُ As for when you are raising up from the ruku'ah, when you are coming up from the ruku'ah, then you say, سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَهُ Meaning that Allah answers the one who praises Him. Literally it means Allah hears the one who praises Him. You may think the literal translation of that is, Allah, He is the one who praises Him. However, in Arabic, if the verb Sami'ah is made, as they say, transgressive, muta'addi, with Lam, if you see a Lam coming after it, this is the gramma- uh, grammatical ruling, then Sami'ah, the verb Sami'ah in that instance means to answer, to respond to. So here, Sami'Allahu li man hamida. The presence of that lam now means that Allah answers the one who praises Him. Allah responds to the one, answers to the one who praises Him. Not just Allah hears the one who praises Him. As for seeing the verb sami'ah transgressive by itself, used by itself as what you would think as being the standard fi'il fa'il maf'ul bihi, then in that case, it means to hear in reality. 
as Allah said in these ayat, لَقَدْ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ قَوْلَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا That indeed Allah heard the statement of the ones who said. Here it means in reality Allah heard. But when you have the lam coming after it as a grammatical rule in Arabic, then it means istijaba. That Allah Allah answers and responds to the call of the one who calls. Um, ثُمَّ إِذَا هَوَى إِلَى السُّجُودِ Then, where are we now? We are now standing up after having come out of the ruku'ah. Now you want to go into sujood, you're going to say again, Allahu Akbar, there is another takbir for going into the sujood now. Uh, ثُمَّ إِذَا هَوَى إِلَى السُّجُودِ يَقُولُ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرْ ثُمَّ إِذَا قَامَ مِنَ السُّجُودِ إِلَى الْجَلْسَ بَيْنَ السَّجْدَتَيْنِ يَقُولُ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرْ so once you are in the prostration, if you want to now come out of the first prostration to sit for a moment and go into the second one, to come out of the prostration again, you say, Allahu Akbar. So there's another takbir there. Then when you go back into the second prostration, there is another takbir there. When you come out of the prostration, there is another takbir there. ثُمَّ إِذَا قَامَ مِنَ التَّشَهُّدِ الْأَوَّلِ في الثلاثية كالمغرب أو الرباعية كالظهر العصر العشاء فإنه يقول الله أكبر. Similarly, in a three rak'ah prayer like Maghrib or a four rak'ah prayer like الظهر العصر والعشاء. After you've prayed two rak'ahs and you're sitting down doing the tashahhud, when you finish that, you're going to come up now to pray your third rak'ah. But what are you going to say after the end of the tashahhud to come up to the third raka'ah? Allahu Akbar again, another takbir. So these are the various places of the takbirat. They are the various places of those takbirat in the prayer. When exactly do you say them? وَمَحَلُّ التَّكْبِيرِ When is the actual time that you say the takbir? So now, for example, the first one, you finish the Fatiha, you finish the Surah, you finish reciting the Surah that you're going to recite, so now you want to go into Ruku'ah. How do you do it? Do you say, Allahu Akbar, then start going into Ruku'ah? Or, do you start going into it and say, Allahu Akbar on your way down? Or, do you go all the way down into the Ruku'ah and then say, Allahu Akbar? One of three possibilities. Either you say it first, Allahu Akbar. Then start going down into the ruku' and go into the ruku' Say it first and then go down. Second possibility is, second possibility, as you are going down, in the state of going down, you say it. And the third possibility, you actually go down into ruku' then say it afterwards. Here the shaykh explains then, وَمَحَلُّ التَّكْبِيرِ Shaykh Al-Fawzan, he says, مِنْ بِدَايَةِ الْإِنْتِقَالِ إِلَى نِهَايَةِ From the beginning of the actual movement to the end of the actual movement, i.e. during the course of the movement. Even though, you're right, some scholars have mentioned that it is permissible and correct to say it first. Some scholars, they mention you can say it first. Say the takbir, Allahu Akbar, then start your movement to go down. Some of the scholars do mention that too. However, here, as Shaykh al-Fawzan, he mentions that it is from the beginning of the actual movement 
up until the movement ends, i.e. during the course of the movement itself. فَإِذَا هَوَى إِلَى الرُّكُوعِ يُكَبِّرُ فِي أَثْنَاءِ هُوِيِّهِ وَإِذَا هَوَى إِلَى السُّجُودِ يُكَبِّرُ فِي أَثْنَاءِ هُوِيِّهِ وَإِذَا رَفَعَ يُكَبِّرُ فِي أَثْنَاءِ رَفْعِهِ وَلَا يُكَبِّرُ قَبْلَ الْإِنْتِقَالِ الشيخ الفوزان says you don't do it before. الشيخ الفوزان says don't do it before the movement. وَلَا يُكَبِّرُ بَعْدَ تَمَامِ الْإِنْتِقَالِ And don't do it after you finished that movement. وَإِنَّمَا هَذَا فِي أَثْنَاءِ الْإِنْتِقَالِ The Shaykh says this occurs during the actual movement. لَكِنْ لَوْ نَسِيَا أَوْ كَانَ جَاهِلًا وَلَمْ يُكَبِّرْ إِلَّا بَعْدَ أَنْ انْتَقَلْ فَإِنَّهُ يُعْذَرُ بِذَلِكَ وَلَكِنْ مَعَ التَّعَمُّدْ فَإِنَّ بَعْضَ الْعُلَمَاءِ يَرَى أَنَّهُ لَا يُجْزِئْ لِأَنَّهُ فَاتَ مَحَلُّ As for if a person forgets, they finish the Fatiha, they finish the Surah, they go down into the Rukur, then they remember they didn't do the Takbir. And they do it then afterwards, as soon as they remember now, once they've already gone into Rukur. The Shaykh says if it was from forgetfulness, then that person would be excused due to that forgetfulness. But if a person did it on purpose, then recited it after the movement had concluded, then it wouldn't count for him. It wouldn't count for him in that case. Then what would occur? What would be the ruling then? Sahu? Uh-huh. The whole prayer? Ah, the raka'ah. Uh-huh. It depends on the counting from the beginning. It depends on the? People count it as a sunnah. You are, sah. Allah. Yeah. Allah. Uh-huh. So the jumhur, they say, no, if it is sunnah, if it's just a sunnah act, then even the uh, prayer of forgetfulness not needed. If it's a wajib act, then you'll need the prayer of forgetfulness. If it's a wajib and you forget, then after the prayer, forgetfulness, uh, prostration. But if it's upon the uh, opinion that it's a sunnah part of the prayer, then there wouldn't be any uh, uh, making up for it at a later stage. So the ruling of the opinion that uh, if it is a sunnah act, no. but it is up to two or more that are omitted, then you can do something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, that then comes into those additional rulings. If it is uh, what you have forgotten and the number you've forgotten, but just the ruling by itself, if you've forgotten one takbir, and if it's upon the ruling of the sunnah, then there would be nothing. But if it was the wajib, then it would be upon you to pray that uh, prostration of forgetfulness. If you intentionally didn't do it, so you're right, that was what we actually meant here. If you intentionally didn't do it, if you intentionally didn't do it, and the ruling is that it's an, uh, obliga- uh, an obligation, it's wajib, then as Imam Ahmed said, batalat salatu, your prayer is incorrect then, doesn't count, you've nullified your prayer because you've left something out on purpose, that is an obligation. Whereas if it was sunnah and you left it out on purpose, then still there wouldn't be anything upon you. Even if you did leave something out that is a sunnah on purpose, then as we said at the beginning of the prayer, your description of the prayer is deficient. 
It is a deficient manner you've prayed in, but it is still acceptable. Acceptable yet deficient. Um, we'll conclude upon that hadith today and we'll begin with the next narration uh, from the next lesson, which is continuing with more details regarding the rufu' and more details regarding the sujood and some of the types of du'as that can also be recited within them. Uh, and then the hadith after that is going to go into the details of the prostration, specifically what to recite in the prostration, how to prostrate the body, where it should be, where the hand should be, where the positioning should be. So all of those details are now going to start coming one by one. Whereas previously we mentioned it all generally, now the ahadith are coming one by one explaining those parts of the prayer. So the rukur, we're in that now. Then next will be about the prostration and where the body should be, where the hand should be, what should be recited. All of that is to come insha'Allah ta'ala and that's where we'll begin from the next time. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين